All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Good morning. It's like afternoon somewhere. All right. Hey, let me just uh, real quickly, uh, I'm going to turn this over to Dario here in just a moment. A couple of things real quick. We are going to today, we'll, we'll take a break here in a little bit. Today is going to, we're going to go till uh, 12, 1230 in that area there and uh, an amazing teaching on healing. And uh, again, if you, how many of you enjoyed last night? Uh, again, some really, really amazing teachings. And uh, we're so blessed. Uh, and today will be as well. So in a moment, we'll be turning this over to him. Let me say hello to Caleb Mooney is here with us today. <laughs> Caleb is part of our family. We've been down to Guatemala at the front row. As I know we've got the Guatemalan contingency here. <laughs> and so good to have you here. Good to see you. Caleb is actually going to be back with us next month, and so he's going to come and he's going to minister, tell us all the things that are going on through Huvenat, amazing things that are happening, and so we can't wait to have that opportunity. Um, let me tell you, back in the back, there are some, some really, really uh, good and amazing teaching books back there. Um, some of those, Norman Parrish actually is Dario's father, and uh, a couple of those books. He is, again, just an incredible minister. The things they're doing down in, in you know, just below the border and in the United States, they now, I, don't, I didn't tell you this last night, but Dario, I'm not even sure how many churches he, and how many ministries he's actually overseeing and, and actually in charge of, but it's in the thousands at this point, 900. So it, there are... Uh, that's a lot of ministries. Man, I struggle with one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? You guys shouldn't applaud or laugh at that joke. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, um, so there's some amazing books back there. Please take advantage of that, some teaching tools that will really help you, each and every one. There's a price list back there. You can drop donations in that box back there, or if you go to the website, you can use the app, and you just put books on there, and we'll make sure that all of that gets to him. And so uh, please take advantage of that, okay? I also want to remind you, tonight at 6.30, we're going to meet again, and uh, just like our normal weekend Saturday night service, but we will be here at 6.30. Uh, Dario will come with another message. And then tomorrow morning, uh, just because we want to get as much information as we can, both the 9 o'clock and the 11 o'clock will be different services. So um, he's going he's gonna to bring a different message for each of those. So I want to remind you so you can plan accordingly. And uh, I pray that you'll do that, that we'll just, again, just fill the place up. And let's just really let God move in our midst. Amen. Amen. I don't know if there was anything else I was supposed to mention or not. If, if I was, um, you know what, just figure it out yourself. So right now, hey, let's just welcome Dario as he comes back to minister today's message. What a joy to be able to see you all. And... Uh, Especially for me uh, to be able to be here together with Caleb. Uh, Caleb has been part of our family for more than 20 years. Uh, it doesn't seem like it because he's still just uh, 19 years old. 
Well, he acts like 19 years old. I remember Caleb when he had hair on his head. I know somebody said about that about me too, so. We love uh, the Mooney family. They have been a vital part of our ministry for, for many years, and uh, especially Caleb and Alyssa, we've uh, dearly loved them as family, and uh, we still do, uh, with the exception of Caleb, naturally. <laughs> but um, uh, we really appreciate uh, everything that they're doing. Uh, they're a vital part of our ministry with Juvenet. And it is our uh, youth extension uh, throughout Latin America. And uh, just in about a month and a half, we're going to come together again in Colombia, Caleb and I, at our youth retreat. I tried to go to all the international youth retreats and be a part of it and go and stay with all the kids in the cabins and everything else. And, uh, and this time it's going to be in Colombia. And so uh, we'll be joining together again over there. Uh, today's theme is uh, spiritual and natural sicknesses. We were talking last night about uh, how complex we are. We're, we are uh, in a certain way without exaggeration and without trying to make us think better of ourselves. We are God's supreme creation. Not just in the physical, but really God's supreme creation was our spirit. Our spirit uh, was God's supreme creation. It is greater than, than uh, the whole universe, if you want to put it in that way. Because uh, if we look at, at our spirit being, our spirit man, uh, from that perspective, it was made to hold God himself in us. The Godhead, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit can abide in our spirit. If you look at that from that perspective, we were awesomely made. We were, our spirit is greater, if you want to look at it from that perspective, than the whole universe. Because the God that, that is greater than the universe, that the universe cannot sustain Him, uphold Him, can live inside of you, in your spirit. Because we are the temple of God in our spirit, are we not? And so if, if from, from that perspective, I want, I want you to, to, to really believe and understand the awesomeness of who we are. Not because we are special, but because God made us in that way. And yet, because of that, we are very complex. And uh, our spirit man, our physical man, our uh, soulish man is, is a different uh, beast, if you want to take it from that perspective, we are different in that context. And so when we look at, at health and healing, we need to realize that it's not just what we try to, to look at things from that perspective. And I, I would like to, to start from what God intended for us to be. When God made Adam and Eve, uh, the Bible clearly says that he intended for them to live eternally. And he intended for them to never die. And uh, the question that I would like to start with if, to open uh, really the process of thinking here for a moment is, has there been any change physically uh, between Adam and us? 
I believe that there hasn't. The only thing that has changed is the fact that sin came into us. We permitted sin to come in. But physically, the same man that God made in Adam is what we are. We are descendants of Adam and Eve, are we not? And so if God intended Adam and Eve to live eternally, what has changed? It, physically speaking in us, what has changed? And if we look at the scriptures for a few moments, we will realize that not just David recognized that we were awesomely made, wonderfully made. Great is his work. When he does something, he does it perfect. He does it good. Nothing that God does is partial. Nothing that God does is really uh, temporal, if you want to use it in that terminology. Uh, there's so much to, to talk about that point, but uh, in Ecclesiastes, God says something very interesting, and he says that he has put eternity within us. He has put eternity within us. What does that mean? You and I were destined to live eternally. Naturally, he has redeemed us from sin, and he has redeemed us from, from the consequences of sin in a certain way. And he has put within us, again, the hope of eternity. Because salvation is coming to reverse what sin did. And so even though we still have to die, because that's our destiny, God has promised to resurrect us. And he has promised that his, his eternity will be fulfilled within us forevermore. Do, do, do we understand what I'm saying? Amen. Now, we need to realize that sin came into us, and because of sin, God's judgment had to be fulfilled. In two different ways. In two different ways. When Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed in the Garden of Eden, God told them, if you eat of this fruit, you shall, what? Die. You shall die. And that was a twofold promise, physically and spiritually. They were to die in both ways, physically and spiritually. What took place immediately? The spiritual death took place immediately. And the second one, it took, basically took the, the determination that God had, or if I, if I could call it the curse or the judgment of death, it took him over 960 years to kill Adam and Eve. Because the, the involvement of sin, it basically took 960 years for it to come fulfilled. But God's judgment happened, both spiritually and naturally. And so God reverted the process, first spiritually, where you and I now are eternal. But if you don't want to believe it or not, but eternity is already within you. Because there is something in you that is already eternal. What is that? Not just your spirit, your soul. Your soul will never die. The only part of you that is going to die is your body. But your soul and your spirit lives on eternally and so within you there's already eternity and sometimes we 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 fear death or we fear 
that, that concept of death without realizing that eternity is already inside of you. When you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you begin walking the walk of faith and you begin walking with him, eternity is already a part of you. Death is no longer something to be feared. It is just a transition. And we have the hope that our bodies will be resurrected because our soul and our spirit doesn't have to be resurrected. It is already eternally. And Jesus clearly said it. That God is not God of the dead. He is the God of what? The living. And, and it, it blew everybody's mind because he was talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And even though they had died, their soul and their spirit still lived on. Amen? Amen. And so that leads us to really uh, the beginning of, of a thought process in our lives where we begin to really understand what we're made of, of. God's plan for us is integral. When, when I teach on salvation, I don't talk about just the concept of receiving Christ as your personal Savior. God wants to save your whole being. God wants to save your whole life. He wants to save your body. He wants to save your mind. He wants to save your emotions. And yet, your spirit is already saved, isn't it? When you receive Christ as your personal Savior, your new man, your new being was made new. But yet, from that point on, everything is being made new. Everything is being transformed inside your life. And that's the whole purpose of, of, of your walk in life. Because if, it, if God's purpose was for us to enter into eternity, and, and there was no process in our lives, immediately as we would get saved, we would be transformed. We would enter into eternity. There would be no purpose of, any, of anything else. Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? And so God wants to lead us into that perfect walk with him. But yet our life today, it is, it, it is a, 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 a reality. As I was uh, building this study, I, I tried to take some statistics, and it's really alarming. For example, the United States. The United States is 4.6% of the world population. 4.6% of the world population. But yet, it consumes 42% of all the medicine. 46 consumes 42% of the medicine. $300 billion a year is spent on medicine. 64% of the homes have prescribed medicine inside the house. Just, just analyze that for a few moments. With the advances of science and technology, yet could you say that we are healthier today than two, three, four, five hundred years ago? Not really. We are being, we're living longer because we are being kept alive in certain ways. But God's plan, what is God's plan? In second, excuse me, in third John 2, uh, the, the word clearly tells us that he desires that we will walk in perfect health. As our life and our, our, our walk with him is being uh, lived through and that we are prospering in, in mind and soul and body, he wants us to walk in perfect health. Isn't that the truth? 
And God wants to bring health into our lives. But the question is, what is the relationship or what is the differences between healing and health? We were singing just a few minutes ago that he is our healer. He is our healer in Exodus chapter 15, verse 27, if I'm not mistaken. That's the promise of that he is our Jehovah Rapha, that he is our healer. The promise and the identification that he is our healer. But, but the question is, what is the difference or what is the relationship between healing and health? Yes, we want healing. But what is it that God wants to work in us? He wants to work health. He wants us to be healthy. And, and that's the reality that, that, uh, that there is, but at the same time, time is the contradiction that many times the reality of Christianity and where God wants us to be is totally two different places. Because healing is an event. Health is a state. A state of health. That it's not just physical. It's mental, emotional, and spiritual. Let me, let me ask you a question that I'm, I'm going to try to answer eventually, but could our spirit be sick? Could our spirit be sick? Our spirit cannot die. But could it be depressed? Oppressed? Could it be not healthy? I believe it could. And so God wants to bring healing into our lives, but he wants to also bring us into what? Health. And that's the promise. Now, let's look at Exodus chapter 15 for just a few moments. Verse 26. And I want you to notice something that is very, very important. God had taken the Israelites out of Egypt. And God told them, I'm going to give you the key to health. I'm going to give you the key to walk in health. And he tells him there in verse 26, and he says, and he said, if thou will diligently hearken unto the voice of Jehovah, thy God, and will do that which is right in his eyes, and I will give you ear to his commandments, and you will give ear to your, his commandments, and keep all of his statutes. What are the four things that God is asking for us to do? What are they? Hmm? The first, he says, you will do everything that he has asked you to do. And that you will walk rightly in his eyes. Because see, that's a real contrary thing about our culture, modern culture today. Relativism has become the governing factor of our society. And relativism means this in a very simple way. I can call anything that I want good and I can call anything that I want bad, evil. That's relativism. I can determine what's good and evil. And the reality is, we, we don't have the right, what's the right word? Direction, north in our lives, compass in our lives, to be able to determine what's good and evil. It is, we're not capable of doing that. The only one that can tell us that is God. And God's telling us, if you do what's good in my eyes, in my sight, the third thing, he tells them that if you give ears to his commandments, the word give ear to your commandments, that means hearken, listen, 
pay attention to what he is trying to tell us. And the one thing that I've tried to emphasize since yesterday was we need to learn to listen to his voice. Because we have two guiding voices in our lives. First, we have the scriptures. But then we have the Holy Spirit within us that guides us into all truth. According to John chapter 14 and 15 and 16, it guides us to all, into all truth. So we need to learn to hearken into his commandments. And the fourth thing is keep his statutes. Now listen to the second part. It says, and I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I put upon which? The Egyptians. Now there's two things there. The word Egyptians there means really the world. In a comparative way, it means the world. In, in every single sense of typology, in every single sense of relationship, Pharaoh in Egypt always has represented the world. Now, notice this. Something that many Christians don't really want to understand about God. God is sovereign, and He can even put diseases on people that He wants to put in. Because what does He say there? I will put, I will not put upon you the diseases that I put upon Egypt. If, if you hearken, if you listen, if you pay attention, if you do what I've asked you to do, then I will not put those diseases upon you. And then he finishes and says, I want you to know who I am. I am the Lord that healeth you. I am the Lord that healeth you. And we know that that's a revelation of who he is, of his nature. He is the God that heals us. He's Jehovah what? Rapha. And so when we look at this, we need to realize that many times we, we look at Christianity, we look at the scriptures, we look at God, and sometimes we just basically want to understand what's convenient to us. And God is giving us the remedy. He says, if you do these things, you will walk in health. Because the question is this, what introduced sickness and death into our lives? Sin. Now, I don't want to put any condemnation on you because there could be some of us today that are, that are sick. And, and you would say, wow, is he saying that I am sick because I sinned? I don't want to put any condemnation on you, but I want you to realize that the common denominator in our life is sin. Directly or indirectly. Originally or common. Sin is a common denominator. And so what sin did in the original sense of the word, what happened with Adam and Eve and what happens in us when we have sinned. How many of you have sinned? All of us. We're all sinners. Now, when you, you sin, basically you opened a door. And your, the door was open, and immediately what happened was, as it took Adam 960 years for the original sin to kill him, your original sin, it's taking its toll upon your life. And the condition that you might have today might not be directly because you sinned, but indirectly because there is an original sin within your life. That's a propensity to be, be sick, a propensity to, to sickness in your own life. 
that has caused, let me, let me put it away, uh, the circumstances to be right for sickness to, to come upon your own life. Because there is an original sin in your own life, directly or indirectly. Now, let's look at the second thing. In Proverbs chapter 26, verse 2, uh, uh, Solomon gives us an, uh, an illustration, and it says this. As the sparrow in its wandering and as the swallow in her flying, so does the curse that is costless all righteth not. Let me put it this way. There is no curse without a cause. There's no curse without a cause. And it, it gives us the illustration from the sparrow and the swallow. And it says in this way, it says, as the sparrow and the swallow are flying over, waiting for an opportunity to make a nest. In the same way, sin and curse is flying over us, waiting for what? An opportunity. An opportunity for it to manifest its purpose. I remember, I would say about 15, 16 years ago, uh, around January, February, about this time of the year, I uh, started really feeling bad, horribly bad. Uh, I would go to our office, and about 10 o'clock in the morning, I was so exhausted and so cold. And I was in Guatemala, living, what I mean, where it does not really get that cold. And so I would say, I, I these officers are just freezing. So I would go out to the car and take a nap at 10 o'clock in the morning. I was just exhausted. And I just kept on going on my, uh, on, on my schedule of, of, of activities. And about two weeks later, I had to drive all the way to Honduras. That's about a 14-hour drive. And uh, as I arrived at my destination, they basically said, we, we've got to go to a service now. So I just changed vehicles and got onto another two-hour trip. And when the pastor got on the car to drive, I said, uh-uh-uh, I don't trust you. Move over. I'm driving. And so I drove the two hours, preached that night, drove two hours back. Arrived after midnight that next morning when I was having breakfast, a horrible pain came over me. And uh, immediately they, they rushed me to the doctor, a born-again Christian, and he looked at me and says, you know, we, we've got to make some test and so he sent me to do some blood tests and everything else and so when the blood test came back he, he, he noticed that I had a horrible case of anemia of anemia again he uh, said we still have to do some blood tests but we're going to start uh, during the weekend just try to calm this whole thing down we're going to inject you with with some iron and all of that and he says Women usually have a lot of anemia because of the women's problems. But men, when they have anemia, it's a, real, it's a real problem. And so on Monday, I mean, I got so weak that on, week, on the weekend, I basically had to preach sitting down. I couldn't stand. And so on Monday, they went and did, we went and did some more tests. And I went to this uh, clinic to be able to get a blood test. And I noticed that as I was sitting there with, with all of the process, because they were immediately getting the blood done and, and the lab work and immediately, and I was noticing as people were coming out through the window looking at me. Really strange. They were looking at me. No, I, I can stand out because I'm white. I'm almost, I'm six foot four. And so I stand out very easily. But that's not the reason they were looking at me. 
So they gave me the result, and I went back to the doctor. And he was looking at me, and he said, uh, this, is, this is laughable. He says, you've got malaria. You've got malaria. And as I was sitting there at the doctor's clinic, the, the doctor, the owner of the lab called, and he says, I couldn't believe that the man that was sitting there is the man that we got the blood test because he should be dead. He should be dead. His numbers are too low. He should not be even walking. He should be dead. And so I ran the test again, he said, for free, because I couldn't believe it. And I diagnosed what type of malaria it is. And so uh, we were able to, it cost me $1.50, the medicine for, for that malaria. And, uh, I took it, and it took about three months of recuperation and all of that. But what I'm trying to tell you is, I started thinking, where in the whole world did I catch malaria? This is February, March now. Where in the whole world did I catch malaria? And I started thinking that I had been in Colombia, in Cali, Colombia, about eight months earlier. And I had slept in a place that was infested by mosquitoes. And I started realizing because the type of malaria that they diagnosed was a South American strain of malaria. And that, what, what I'm trying for you to realize is, it's, it's like a sparrow and like a swallow that is flying over us, waiting for a moment that we are what? Weak. Weak. Spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically weak. To come and do what? Make a nest in our lives. For six, seven months, malaria was in me, but my physical body, my spiritual body was fighting it until the moment that I became what? Weak. And then it manifested. Let me ask you how many things in our lives are, are like that. Things are there, but they're not manifesting because there's something retaining that manifestation. But when we become physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually weak, that's when it what? Will manifest in our lives. And so we need to realize that there's things in our lives that are still flying over us. That are trying to manifest in our lives. Now let me, let, let me take a few minutes and uh, talk from the natural perspective. What are the causes of sickness in the natural? Now let me tell you from ahead of time and let me put this exclusion into my notes. I'm not a doctor. I don't pretend to be a doctor, but I've asked several doctors for questions. And these are the answers that they've given me, okay? I don't have to be a doctor to understand certain things that are natural, that are, that are easy to understand. The first cause for sick, sickness is exhaustion. When we're exhausted. It's happened to me. I come back from a trip and I'm exhausted because for you, this is maybe a once in a, a year experience of having a weekend long seminar. It's a weekly thing for me. I go from Thursday to Sunday without stopping almost every week. It's, it's a, and so sometimes when I get home, I, I'm home exhausted. And as soon as I hit home, I get a cold. Because what is the first cause for, for sickness? Exhaustion. 
We come to a point of a breaking point. We don't know when to rest. We don't know when to take time. We don't know when to stop. And we become exhausted. And that's one of the first causes. It weakens our immunity system. Second, infection. Let me ask you, where is the infection today? The reality is we live in a contaminated world. Why do we wash our hands? Why do we uh, try to, to create a clean atmosphere around us? It's because infection is where? Everywhere. It's everywhere that we are. Viral, bacterial, infection is, is, is a common problem within our lives because we live in a contaminated world. Probably the worst places in, 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 in the world are the hospitals. We think that there are places to be healed, but they're the most contaminated. I don't have to tell you all the horror stories. You probably know more than I do. How, how people go in for one thing and they come out with other things because of the ambience of, 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 of uh, infection. Third, depression. We are so intertwined, and that's one thing that I want you to be able to take from today's uh, session is this. We are so intertwined between the natural and the spiritual, the physical and the spiritual, that depression is more than just a time that you're down. For example, your spirit can be depressed. Your mind can be depressed. Your, your physical can be depressed. Your, your, the greatest gift that God has given you in your physical realm is your immunity system. Your immunity system can be depressed. And, and the only way that God has given you in the physical realm a, a way of fighting infection and fighting sickness is your immunity system. But if it's depressed, and how do you depress your immunity system? That's, there is a spiritual side of it. There is a mental or emotional side of it. But your physical side, for example, when you overuse antibiotics, what happens to your immunity system? And that's, that's the real, if, if, I, there is a, let, let me, let, if there's a complaint today in my perspective from, as a teacher uh, of this theme today, if there's a complaint is you go in for one thing and the, immediately the doctor will give you a, res, a, a, a prescription for antibiotics. And they don't give the body an opportunity to fight the good fight. You have to stimulate your immunity system. That's why, for example, I believe, I'm a firm believer that, yes, there's some things that you would say vaccines are important. For example, I'm standing here. I've never had a vaccine in my life. Naturally, I grew up in another country, probably in what you would call a third world country. But I've never had any of those problems. And when you have all of those childhood diseases that you're supposed to have, because God did establish those diseases for what? To build your immunity system. I'm just giving you my point of view of this. It's not from a doctor's perspective, but because I've lived through it. It because we sometimes, instead of building up the immunity system, what are we doing? We're depressing it, suppressing it. 
And when sickness comes around us like a sparrow and like a swallow, what happens? There's nothing to resist it. We're victims of those things. Let's look at the fourth. Uncontrolled and unchecked emotions. How many of us are suffering with uncontrollable emotions? Hmm? Out of nothing, we just start crying. Out of nothing, we lose control. Out of nothing, we come into rage. Hmm? Anger. We call it road rage, and we call it other things. But what happens? What is the impact in your life of uncontrolled and unchecked emotions? Your physical body suffers. And I, I, I should not have to re reiterate this because, for example, what happens to somebody when they lose control of their anger? Hmm? You've seen people that have had heart attacks and people that have had brain aneurysms and they've had stomach problems and digestive problems and, and all of those things because what? Uncontrolled, unchecked emotions. And we should not suppress emotions because emotions were a God-given thing for our lives. My wife says that emotions are basically the insulation that helps us maintain our lives in health. It's God's gift, like an insulation. How can you keep the cold out or keep the hot heat outside of a building? You, you put what? Insulation. Now, what is the insulation of your life? It's your emotions. But what happens when they're not done or processed correctly? That's when sickness comes into our lives. Because emotions are God-given, but if they're out of control, they're wrong. We can look at sadness, bitterness, anger, fear, envy, covetousness. All those are uncontrolled what? Emotions. We could talk about all the other ones that you know about. But I'm just giving you examples. And now if, 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 if you take your time in your notes, you will realize that every one of those scriptures will come and reiterate what I'm telling you. Every one of those scriptures will reiterate the fact that those uncontrolled emotions cause physical sickness because I'm not going to give you a point that it's not based on the scriptures let's look at the other one the wrong usage of what medicine even drug prescriptions if we look at it from from a biblical perspective it's very important for you to realize that and I know you know the combination of certain medicines how it creates sicknesses I had I had a cousin she was like my sister. I never had a sister. And she was uh, a year younger than me. And uh, when she was uh, 11, 12 years old, she was diagnosed with lupus. And uh, if you know, lupus is a, an emotional sickness that's, that is triggered by emotions. And uh, when the doctors uh, diagnosed her with, with lupus, uh, basically they told her that she had two years to live. 12, 14, 15 years old. Uh, and uh, so they, they, they began giving her cortisone. That is the medicine they usually give people with lupus. And uh, immediately that caused a, a side effect. And at the end of the road, at the end of the time, 
she was taking eight different medicines, all of them for side effects. And what happened was her kidney stopped working. But that didn't kill her. About two, three months later, she died, but basically her, the main brain around her brain swelled up. It wasn't the lupus. It wasn't the eight different medicines that killed her, even though it was creating a horrible scenario of sickness around her. Let me ask you, can medicine kill you? Now, let's look at it from, from a spiritual perspective for, for, for a moment. Let's, 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 let's use this, for example. How many of you know really the understanding or the, the definition of the word pharmacy? Pharmacy comes from a Greek word that means pharmakeia. And the word pharmakeia means literally witchcraft. Literally. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to change the meaning. Pharmakeia means witchcraft. And that's what pharmacies come from. The com concept of, of pharmacies. From, from that perspective. And if you look at the concept, for example, of drugs from the spiritual perspective... What happens when a drug user goes into ecstasy? I'm using it from the, the illegal perspective for a moment. What happens when somebody gets high on cocaine or gets high on ecstasy or gets high on heroin? What happens in the spiritual realm? Literally, he is opening up his life in the spiritual realm for any contact and contamination from the spiritual world. Now, let me ask you, what is the difference between prescribed and unprescribed drugs? One's legal, the other one's not. But the spiritual effect, just think about it for a moment. What would be the consequence? There is an opening up of our spirit world in our lives. And that's why I believe, and I'm not preaching against medicine, and I'm not preaching against doctors, I believe that when we go into a process, we need to guard ourselves with, with our spiritual weapons. When somebody goes into an operating table, his brothers and sisters need to what? Fight the good faith because he is under sedation. He is basically knocked out. And what do you have to do? You have to guard them spiritually. You have to put a what? A hedge of protection around them. We as brothers and sisters need to join together to protect somebody that can't protect themselves. Because there is a contact there. There is an opening to the spirit world that we have become vulnerable in that sense. We have seen how thousands of people that have been drug users become contaminated in their drug use. Naturally, we like to focus on the illegal side of it. But the, for me, there's no difference between the illegal and the legal. In the concept of the spiritual world, the demon, demons and, and God don't make a difference between one and the other. Do you get what I'm saying? So let's keep on going. I just needed to add that to you. The second thing that we need to realize this is uh, the abuse that there is within medicine. I don't know if you realize this, but I'm, I'm going to add this. I, most, most people don't realize it, that medicine today is what, it, what we call palliative. Palliative. 
talk to any doctor, talk to any uh, professional in the medical world and, and ask him, what is medicine today? Is it palliative? And he will tell you yes. Let me tell you what that means. Let's, 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 let's look at this from the perspective of just a simple headache. If you have a headache, what do you do? You take an ibuprofen. Now, what is the problem with taking an ibuprofen at that point? Because an ibuprofen, what it does, it, it, it basically deals with the symptom, but with not, not with the cause. That's what palliative means. You're dealing with the symptom, but you're not dealing with the cause. Because if you really want to understand what is the cause of your headache to be able to remedy the cause, what you, would you have to do? First, you have to say, the first thing that I would do if I have a headache is, am I exhausted? Am I tired? Am I stressed out? Everything that we talked today. Am I worried? Or do I have anger issues? If the headache still doesn't go away because I've rested and I've put a little order in my, my, my life and the headache is still not gone, then maybe I need to go to the doctor to get an MRI, MRI, MRI to see what's going on in the brain. Because a headache could also mean a tumor, an aneurysm, or not. Now, what happens if I take just ibuprofen? Basically, I'm cutting what? The feeling. But the headache has not gone away. I just cut the, the, the feeling. And that's the reality of the most medicine is just what? Palliative. Basically, you're dealing with it. You've got acid reflux, and what do you do? Anti-acid. But that's what? You're not dealing with the cause problem. You're dealing with what? The effect, the symptom. And that's usually what the way we deal with our problems. And I'm, I'm sorry to say it, and I'm not trying to throw a little bit of cold water on, on your, your, your life. But I, I want you to realize that's human nature. Even in the way we deal with Christianity. We want to deal with the effect, but we don't want to deal with the cause. We want the effect to go. Well, I mean, I've had hundreds of cases where I've had immediately people coming with me with an emergency and say, listen, my marriage is falling apart. She's already asked for divorce. What am I going to do? Help me, help me. You've got to help me. They want an immediate solution. But when somebody is already filing for divorce, the problem it didn't start a day before when they filed for divorce. The problem started 10, 12, 14 years earlier. If you want to deal with the problem, you got to go where? To the cause. And, and I'm saying these things because that's human nature. We want a rapid solution to the problem. We won't want to get into the nitty-gritty, dirty part of business. But real health in our life is when we go to what? To the cause of the problem. That's where real health comes. Because as long as you're just dealing with the symptom, the effect, you're never going to find solution. Because as long as the cause is still there, it will what? Manifest itself. Let me ask you a question. Let me put it this way. Imagine that you're working with wood and, and you get a splinter into your skin. And 
you come and say, oh, how can I deal with this splinter? So what you do is you go and put a little bit of ointment on it. And every day you put an ointment on your skin. Let me, let me ask you, are you solving your problem? What do you have to do? What's the first thing that you have to do? You have to pull the splinter out. And then you can put the ointment. But as long as you don't pull the splinter out, you're still going to have a problem. It's going to fester. It's going to infect. Because you're not dealing with the cause of the problem. And by ignoring it, it's not going to go away. Let's look at the next one. Addictions and bad habits. Addictions. The Bible talks a lot about this. And when we talk about addictions, many times we just mention the three big things, huh? Drugs, alcohol, cigarettes. But let me ask you, is there addiction to food? Is there an addiction to Coca-Cola's? Or maybe a couple of us around here, are we addicted to coffee? Am I, am I putting my, my foot in my mouth? Now, let, let, me, let me put it this way. The last three things I mentioned, they're really non-consequential if they are in the right limit. Because, you know, all the studies, for example, all the studies about, about coffee, how good it's a digestive thing and that it, it, there's some good ingredients into coffee, that's all wonderful. But if even the wonderful things, if you do them out of addiction, out of control, what, what does it cause? Sickness. Because everything out of control is not good. It produces sickness in your lives. Because even if, if, if let, let's put it this way. How many of you believe that vitamins are good to take from time to time? But what happens if you only take vitamins 24-7? Will you have health? No, because you need everything else. You need the fiber. You need the protein. You need all of the other ingredients for you to be able to walk in health. Let me look at the next one. Old age. Old age. I know that Mark and I are already uh, beginning to smell that old age in us, but. <laughs> old age is part of the process of getting sick. Because, because life has a toll on us, doesn't it? In my case, for example, I, I, I don't remember the last time I slept eight hours. I just don't. That's not my... But, but I realize that every hour that I'm awake that I should be asleep, I'm basically borrowing it from somewhere else. Because I need sleep. God demanded for us to be able to rest a good amount of time to be able to live healthy. It's part of life. Old age. The other one is what we've already called repressed emotions. When we repress the emotions, it's completely different than uncontrolled emotions. How many of you can, can say that that is the issue that you face in your life? I'm raising my hand. 
where we repress emotions. I, I have to repress emotions because of ministry. Because, you know, sometimes you get insulted. People criticize you. People, people insult you. They speak ill of you. And because I'm a minister, what do I have to do? Keep a straight face. Forgive. Have mercy. And what does that do? I have to swallow it sometimes. And where sooner or later, it, it's like a, like a pressure cooker that if you don't have a escape valve, what happens? It explodes. And how does it explode? How does it come out? It comes out through, through sickness in your own life. Let's look at a couple more. Personal problems. Stress. How many of you think that stress is a sickness-causing problem? Let, let, me, let me tell you something that I, I, I read and I studied a little bit about this. Many, many think that high cholesterol is because of what you're eating. Most doctors will, could tell you if you really ask them. High cholesterol comes from stress. Naturally eating. But if you don't live a stressful life or you don't let stress govern you, you can have a little bit of excessive fat into your eating habit because it does not affect you. Stress basically is the cause that makes you retain fat in your arteries. I'm just giving you that as an example. Or your surroundings. Our world is contaminated, is it or not? And let me, let me finish with this last one. Psychosomatic problems. I read once, and I'm not, I'm not trying to generalize, but I read once in, in an article that states that 90% of most sicknesses are basically psychosomatic. Now, I want you to understand, and we will talk about it later, but could you create sickness in your life by what you think and what you believe? The answer is yes. I, just, just look at this. Job chapter 3, verse 25 and 26. I'm just giving you one example. Job comes and says, what I have feared has come upon me. What I have feared has come upon me. And let's look at the scenario. You've got a little bit of a, a stomach problem. You have a little bit of a, a, a problem. You go to the doctor and the doctor that has to, for insurance purposes, has to tell you all the things that could be. And he uses the big C. It could be cancer. Immediately, what comes into your heart? Fear. And if you let it govern you, what could fear produce? Because Job says, what I feared has what? Come upon me. And that's what we call what? Psychosomatic. Amen? Now, let's, let's go to the next point. Because I, this is what I, uh, before we end up our, our first period, I want, I want us to look at the spiritual causes for sickness. And let me, let me take you to two illustrations. We won't, I, I know that you know them by heart, but, but let me take you to two illustrations, biblical illustrations of what I'm trying to, for you to get. The first one is Jesus faced two storms, didn't he? In the same sea, the Sea of Galilee. The first one, he was sleeping, do you remember? And the disciples came up to him and started shaking him. These two, these 12 men that knew that, that sea, 
They had lived, grown up in that sea. They came out fearful and they started shaking him. Don't you, aren't you worried that we're going to die? And I, I can imagine, I visualize Jesus. How many of you wake up with your hair standing up when you're waking up? Huh? First thing you have to do is what? And so I can visualize Jesus combing his hair, taking a sweet time. And the disciples are freaking out. And Jesus comes out to the, board, to, to the, to the, the end of the, the boat. And who, what does he order? No, he first orders the wind. And then he orders the, wave, the waves. The same thing happened. On the second time that the, they were on a storm, he was walking towards them. And Peter put his eyes on what? The waves. Now, would it be surprising to you that the original biblical word for wind is the word neuma, where we get the word spirit? What was producing the waves? The spirit. In the natural, it was the wind, but in the spiritual, what, it, what was it? The spirit. The Spirit was trying to oppose Jesus from his destiny. The Spirit was trying to kill Jesus so that he will not fulfill his destiny. The Spirit was trying to, 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 to hinder him getting to the other side of the sea where there was a Gadarean that needed to be freed. You get what I'm saying? And so we need to realize that behind our waves that are in the natural things, there is what? Many times a spiritual cause. There's a spiritual cause. The second illustration is what we find there in John chapter 11, verse 39. When Lazarus had died. And Jesus was going to resurrect him. Jesus was going to resurrect him. Before he could resurrect him, excuse me, Jesus had to order the stone to be removed. And so when the stone was removed, we need to realize that there is something that is in the way. Because there was no purpose in God resurrecting Lazarus until he moved the stone. Do, do you understand the, the comparison that I'm giving you? What is the stone in your life that is hindering from you really entering into that resurrecting power in your life? Because if Jesus would have resurrected Lazarus, he would have not been able to come out of the cave because there was a stone in the way. Do you get what I'm saying? And so in, in our life, we need to realize that there is a relationship between the natural and the spiritual. That means the natural will influence in the spiritual. But we need to realize also that the spiritual will influence what? The natural. And it's very important for us to really, to be able to come into real health, we need to realize that there is the cause and effect in our lives. The sowing and the reaping. The cause and effect and the what? Sowing and the reaping. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something today, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be proudful, but I, I want you to realize, I have never found this in any other book. 
and any other teachings. And I, I call it the sequence of cause and effect. What is it called? I'm, I'm trying for you to really grab a hold of it. Sequence of what? Cause and effect. Now, the first thing that I want you to realize is this. When in your life there is a cause that produces an effect, we could call that whatever, whatever way we could give you a hundred examples of cause and effect. For example, we, we talked just a few minutes. You take a medicine that produces a what? Side effect. That's what? Cause and effect. You sin, you die. That's what God told Adam and Eve. You sin, you die. There's the what? Cause and there's the effect. But our life being very complex, we need to realize the first principle is this. If I don't deal with my effect, the effect has the possibility and the probability of becoming the cause of something else. Okay? That's the first thing that I want you to realize. If I ignore this effect in my life, I don't deal with this effect in my life by going to the root cause. That effect has the possibility and the probability of becoming a cause itself that produces another effect. And if I keep ignoring it, that has the possibility of what? Becoming another cause that produces what? Another effect. And so now we have what? What we just called it. The sequence of what? Cause and effect. Now, we all know the analogy of the onion, don't we? The onion is full of what? Layers. If you want to get to the bottom layer, you have to go through what? The top layers. Is that clear? Now, with our life, I think it's the same thing. We need to realize what are the things that are cause and effect in our lives. Because the end result today could be sickness. The end result that we're talking about today could be sickness. Or it could be something else. It could be poverty. It could be marital family problems. It could be mental problems. It could be emotional problems. But the question is here, am I going to deal with this or am I going to go to the, to the end result of the cause and effect? And I will begin dealing with the end result of the cause and effect to be able to deal with that problem. Because here's the key ingredient. I deal with the original cause. Everything else begins falling apart, weakening. But if I try to do it the other way, I'm going to be fighting tooth and nail the whole way. Because I'm going to be dealing with effects. Because they're strengthened by what? The cause. The costs are the ones that empower this, this effect. But if I go and weaken and destroy the cause, everything else will be weakened. And so then I just have to go and begin destroying it. And it'll be a simple process. One of, one of the men that have influenced me more in, in life is, is a, a, a man and a woman that live in Dallas. He was uh, a teenager many, many years ago. He was uh, a, a PK, a pastor's kid. But he got sidetracked, and he made a covenant with Satan. 
as a PK, he made a covenant with Satan, and he became completely demonized. And his, his uh, parents were basically taking him to the Looney Tune, literally. And in the midst of the road, I'm talking about the ride, to take him to the hospital, to basically shut him up for the rest of his life, to, to, to lock him up for the rest of his life. Something came over them and said, why don't we go to such and such a church? We've heard that they pray for people over there. And they diverted their road to go. They ran into my father. I'm talking back in the 60s. They, uh, they, they met up with my father, and my father basically just had compassion of this boy. He was 16 years old. Had compassion for him and says, I'll pray for him. I'll take him on. And I don't know what got into my dad's mental state at that moment. But he took him home. Can you imagine somebody who was on his way to where he was going, and my dad decided to take him home with a three-year-old son? Okay? And for the next month, my dad prayed for him nonstop. Unfortunately, he would become free. A day later, he was possessed again. My dad would pray for him again. He would be free. A day later, he would be possessed again. And it was this cycle. And... One day sitting with him, my dad really confronted him and said, what, what's going on? Well, I mean, we can't keep going like this. What's going on? What's really the, the problem? And the boy started shaking, shaking, shaking. He says, I made a covenant with Satan. And he told me that if I ever shared it with anybody, he would kill my whole family. And my dad says, he can't do that. Because you've just confessed it. And through the confession of the cause, you know what happened? All he had to do was just pray for him and he was set free. But if you're just dealing with the effect, the cause is going to be what? Reoccurring and making it happen all over again. And you're going to be dealing with the same problem over and over and over. How many of us have been dealing with problems the same way? We deal with it. Let, 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 me, let me put it this way. You have a financial problem and you, you're, you, you sell things and you deal with your financial problems. Two months later, you're still in a financial problem. You know why? Because you're not dealing with the root problem. You're just dealing with what? The effect, the symptom in your life. Am I getting myself really clearly understood? Because I'm not trying to be... What's the English word? It's a real tough word. I don't want to be contentious with you. I don't want to talk down to you. But I want you to do realize today, if, if there's something that you take home with you today, it's this one thing. If, I want you to be clear into your life because our life is, is a matter of discovering. What is it that God wants to do in us? Really realizing what God is trying to work in our own life. Amen? Now, I want to start looking at what really are the causes of the cause and effect in our own life, okay? The first one, definitely and categorically, is unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. What does James chapter 5 verse 15 tells, tell us? It says, the prayer of faith shall save him that is sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sin, it shall be what? Forgiven. 
Now, let me ask you, what does, how does it begin there in James chapter 5? It begins by saying, if we confess our sins one to another, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then it says, if he has committed a sin, it shall be forgiven to him. And the prayer of the just availeth much. Where is the, the root problem in many of our problems? Some confess sin. And I, I'm, I'm trying not to be harsh on you. I'm trying to be as merciful and as understanding and as soft on you for a few moments. I want you to realize all of us, absolutely all of us, have unconfessed sin in our lives. Because we guard it more than the money that we have. We are ashamed of what people could say if they found out what we did in the past. And what is the footstool that the enemy has in our lives? Is that the unconfessed sin? It's the footstool. It's the right, the legal right. If there is something that, that, that you need to realize, everything that the enemy does in our lives is based on legality. And it's not a legality that Jesus has given it's a legality that you've given. That you've permitted in your life. And you have to break that right. You have to break that legality. You have to expose that problem. So that the enemy doesn't have any footstool in your own life. Amen? Amen. Unconfessed sin. And we need to realize that the only way to fix it is through repentance. Through repentance. I was reading uh, Romans chapter 1 today in my daily reading, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. And I realized that it's repentance, it's a guidance of the Holy Spirit. And it says that He might guide you into repentance. You have to have that revelation. As we talked about it yesterday. You have to have that revelation in your life. That will guide you to real repentance. That will guide you to confess your sins. And to be able to set everything right before the Lord. That you are right before the Lord. Because I'm going to tell you something. When the Lord forgives, He forgets. It is like if it never, ever, absolutely never had happened in your life. You're taking away the right the enemy has over your life. Amen? Okay, we're going to stop for a few minutes and take a break. Five minutes? Uh, some of you that are uh, Pastor Mark's age, you might need to go running somewhere else. Okay, we'll take five minutes. Stand up and uh, stretch around. Talk all you want to talk. Uh, say everything you want to say. All right, I hope you got some water. I hope you got some mints for the sake of the person next to you. All right, well, grab your seats, and uh, again, just make yourselves comfortable, and uh, let's again, let's welcome Dario back up. I, um, I try to adjust uh, when I travel. I try to be as 
as easy going and I adjust with everything. One time I was in a church and I said, Pastor, but what time do you want me to finish? And the pastor told me, you go along as long as you want. People leave at nine. So I try to adjust. Let's keep going with uh, cause and effect. And uh, the next reason for, for sickness is what the Bible clearly teaches us, the ancestral inheritance. We're going to be dealing with that tonight, so I'm not going to um, uh, deal with it too deeply. But clearly... Uh, I don't know how many of you have gone lately to a um, medical visit, uh, let's say a checkup or anything else. Usually when you go to a doctor's visit, they will give you a form for you to fill out. And when the, within the form, they will ask you questions. For example, what is your family medical history? Why are they asking what the, do the medical history in your family is? Let, 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 me, let, let me just point this out. The medical system today is realizing what we've known for thousands of years. In the scriptures. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 7, it says, The sins of the parents upon the children upon third and fourth generation. And so, sickness is transferred from generation to generation. And it's not really the sickness, it is the tendency or the weakness towards that from generation to generation. Because there's no guarantee. I, 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 I hope you realize it. There's no guarantee. I think we can break the bond and we can break that yoke in our own life. My family, my family parish, uh, especially the parish side, the, the male side, uh, all of have had heart problems. But my father died two years ago at age 85 without one single heart problem. They took his blood pressure, and he had the blood pressure of a teenager at age 30, 85. So do we have to follow that? No. We as Christians can break that, but we need to realize that there is that tendency in our own life. Because the Bible clearly tells us that the sins of the parents upon the children, upon the third and fourth generation and tonight we'll deal with that a little bit deeper but I think that it's very important for us to realize that there is a sequence there in our own life that if we don't deal with it there's the propensity that we will be carrying not just in our own life but in the life of our own children amen, amen. let's look at the next one sickness as a result of witchcraft witchcraft and sorcery uh, I would like to just focus on Ezekiel chapter 13, verse 18 and 19 for just a moment. Ezekiel 13, 18 and 19. And I'm going to take just an extract because you got it in your notes. I don't have to reemphasize everything. But here the Lord is dealing with witchcraft. And it's talking about what is the intention of witchcraft. What is the purpose of witchcraft? And we, we realize that that in witchcraft, and I, I, I would have to give an almost an hour worth of teaching on this just for, for me to be able to get the whole thought across. But, but their purpose is not blessing. The purpose is curse. 
And even though I've, I've known people that have gone to a witchcraft center, and, 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 and you've got to realize Latin America is, is not covered over like the American culture is. And now in the United States, Americans have had the tendency of basically ignoring certain things that are real. And that's the reason why witchcraft is being practiced, but, but we are still ignoring it. It is part of a game called Ouija and things like that. Dungeons and Dragons and all of those things that are happening to our children. They're being portrayed in, 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 in the television without us really realizing the impact that it's having upon our culture. But over there, for example, in, in, in Guatemala, just to give you an example of a place, uh, the, the intertwined of religion, it is so part of the culture. Where, where people have gone into a witchcraft center, for example, and they're sitting in a waiting room, and all of the saints of the Catholic Church are there. That's what we call syncretism. That is the blending of different beliefs into one. Because in Latin America, for example, amongst the Indians, there has been the, the worship of the elders, the worship of the ancestors, and the worship of deities. And what they've done, Catholicism, when it came in five, six hundred years ago, basically adopted some of those deities into the Catholic Church. For example, in Guatemala, we have one that is called St. Simon. Very Christian name. But the Indian name is called Mashimon. And their gifting to that idol is liquor and cigars. And it's worshipped in the Catholic Church. And so there's a syncretism there. And, and many of us that, that live in, in the United States, we don't realize the impact that that has. And so the Bible is clarifying that. And for you to understand it, you would have to read the whole chapter 13. But let me take you to verse 18 and 19 for a moment. Let, let, let me show you what, what the purpose is. In verse 19 it says, To slay the souls that should not die. And to save the souls alive that should not live. What does witchcraft do? It opens doors, even in the physical realm. People that have practiced witchcraft are really opening up their doors to that natural impact in their own lives. And, and uh, I've, I've seen dozens and dozens of cases where... We've had to pray for people that are sick because of witchcraft curses. That, that sickness came in through that. I had a case just up three, four weeks ago. One of my assistants in, 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 in leadership of our ministry worldwide, he leads 140 churches. And his wife called me. I was in Guatemala about three, four weeks ago. And, and the wife called me desperately. She, she says, Thursday night, this was... Let me try to, this was Monday. Thursday night, uh, four or five days earlier, they were in church. And a lady brought him some food. And out of courtesy, he ate it. And immediately as he ate it, he became sick. Immediately as he ate it, he became sick, and he didn't know what was going on. And the whole weekend, he was sick. And they were doing some different tests on him, and they couldn't find the causes. And so she called me on Monday. And so I immediately, as I was in the car, I called him. I was with another pastor, and we prayed for him. And 
Tuesday, I called him again. I said, how are you doing? He says, immediately as you prayed, I felt better. What was, what was happening? What was happening was the witchcraft was with the food. The food had been sanctified in witchcraft. And let me ask you, why in the whole Bible do we, are we told that we should not eat food sanctified to the idols? Why? Why was it one of the main instructions that Jerusalem church, the elders in Jerusalem, told the Gentiles? Why? Because there is a relationship between that. Because clearly the Lord is telling us that those things do, could create sickness in our lives. Let's look at the next one. Sickness as a result of demonization. Now, maybe that's a term that you don't know much about. Demonization is the act of becoming oppressed by demons. Demonization. Sickness could be a result of demon manifestation in your life. Now, I'm not going to give you all the, all the answers. You could look for it in the Bible. But the phrase that you would have to look in your, in your Bible would be the spirit of infirmity or the spirit of sickness, depending what translation of the Bible you're using. And the Bible talks in, in multiple places, the spirit of infirmity. The spirit of infirmity. Now, what is that? That is a demon that is causing what? Sickness. Spirit of infirmity. And what has happened, and let, let me explain this, is that the demons have a ca uh, 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 the habit of taking the name of the effect that they have on your life. The spirit of fear, the spirit of doubt, the spirit of jealousy, the spirit of sickness. And so they take on the name of their, their work in your life. And so in this case, there is a spirit of what? Sickness. That is the cause in the what? The effect in your life. And so the Bible talks about different cases. You've got several examples there. For example... It talks in Job 2.7 about sore boils, tumor, cancer, abscess, apotheoma, or the paralysis, the spirit of paralysis. We find in Matthew 8, 5, and 6. Or a psychotic, delirious, unstable. In the case of the Gadarean, and that would be a, a total message uh, right there. Just to look at his life, I have a message that is called the diagnosis of uh, demon manifestation in a person's life. Because we can see this is a clear clinical example of that. Or a deaf and dumb spirit, or blindness, spirit of blindness, or epilepsy, or the issue of blood. Because when Jesus healed, uh, healed this woman that had the issue of blood, uh, he basically defined in the scriptures that it was a spirit that was causing that. That it was not just a physical problem, it was a spiritual problem. Then fever could be the cause. Amen? Let's look at another one. Fear. Fear. We talked about it in Job chapter 2, verse 25 and 6. Could fear produce sickness? Yes. I can prove it. Not just biblically, but I can prove it through other, other means of, 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 of 
statement, for example, Luke 21, 26, that men are fainting out of fear. And the word fainting is what? Has a connotation of physical problems. We find that in other, in other examples, Proverbs 29, 25, it says that fear produces a snare or to be bounded. And so we're, we're, we're walking in those things. Let's look at a couple of other examples. Uh, let me just try to jump um, to different emotions could produce uh, sickness. Well, we've already mentioned that several times. Uh, the evil thoughts, uh, the sins of the tongue, bitterness in the heart can produce. Let, let, let's, let's, let's talk about bitterness for just a moment for for. Just an example for you to see it. That emotions can produce sickness. Let's, let's go, for example, in Proverbs 14.10 on. Proverbs 14, verse 10 on. Let me try to find it in my... In, uh, Look at what it says. Each heart knoweth its own bitterness. And no one else can share its joy. The house of the wicked shall be destroyed and the tent of the upright shall flourish. There is, no, there is a way that seems right in a man's heart. But at the end, it leads to the death. Even in laughter, the heart may ache. And joy may end up in what? Grief. The faithless will be fully repaid for their ways, and the good man rewarded in his. But what does it say? The bitterness has a result in our life. It has a result. You could look at Ecclesiastes 11.10. This says, Therefore remove sorrow from your heart, and put away the evil from your flesh, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Notice the relationship. It says bitterness produces what? Sorrow of the heart. What does bitterness produce? That means it produces heart problems. Heart problems. Bitterness. And let, let, me, let me throw this other one that is, very is, is out of experience. I have seen the relationship between bitterness and diabetes. And there's a logic in it. There's a real logic in it. Both of them have a problem with processing sweetness. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Now, I'm trying for you to realize, I'm not trying to condemn anybody that is suffering. I'm trying to show you that God is giving you a way for you to be able to reach health in your life. God is opening a way for you to be able to walk in health. Let's keep going. Depression is a cause and effect. A depression. Look at Proverbs 17, 22. It says, a cheerful heart is a good medicine, but a broken spirit drieth up the bones. Just analyze it. What? would you call the sickness that dries up the bones? Arthritis, osteoporosis, what other thing? 
But what, what, what is the, the Bible saying here? It says that a cheerful heart is what? Good medicine. But a broken spirit, depression, dries up the bones. Hmm? Or the loss of hope. Ezekiel 37, 11 says, And then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are dry, our whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. Depression is when you lose hope, isn't it? And what dries up the bones? The hope is lost. And, and I'm giving you a bunch of examples for you to realize that the Bible talks about sadness affects the bones. Proverbs 17, 22 is an example. Let's look at another one. Anger. Anger will create problems. Anxiety will cause sickness. Envy. 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10 says, Have pierced themselves through the many sorrows. Talk about an, an envious person. Has pierced themselves with many sorrows. And the word sorrow is the word sickness. It's a synonym of sickness. Envy. And we need to realize that even sin will affect our soul. Let me, let me give you another, another concept that might even break a few paradigms here. Could sickness be a judgment of God? Could God judge us children in a form of sickness? Let, let me ask you. If God loves us as a father loves a son, does he chasten us? Does he correct us? Because a father that does not love his children does not correct them. But a father that loves his children will correct. And could God correct us in the flesh? I'm asking a question, a good, open-sided question. Would God permit sickness to correct us? Because we saw in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, that God can put sickness, can't he? Can God put sickness? None of these sicknesses I will put upon you. If you do the four things. But if you disobey, if you are rebellious to the Lord's guidance, if you are rebellious to what God is wanting you to do, could God judge you with sickness? That's a question that we need to ask. But we need to realize that everything that God permits in your life, and I want to, I want to defend God now. I'm going to be God's defender here, okay? Everything that God puts on your life is for good. Because he's trying to work what? His perfect work in your life. It's not to destroy you. It's to work in you. And I need to realize when, if I'm, I'm dealing with issues in my own life, I need to ask myself, Lord, are you working in me? Are you permitting this in my life? Because you're trying to work something in my life? 
Because we go back to, for example, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul is dealing with the incestuous situation of that young man that was having intercourse with his stepmother. And Paul says, I will turn him over to Satan for the destruction of his body, but so his soul will be saved. What is the destruction of the body? What would that be? Sickness. As God's judgment. And, and look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 35, if you don't have it in your notes. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 35, it says, And the Lord shall smite thee in the knees and in the legs with sore botch. Let me explain what that translation means. Sore boils. They cannot be healed from the sole of your foot unto the top of your head. Now, that's talking about Deuteronomy chapter 28. You know, that chapter is divided in two parts. The first part, the first 14 verses are the blessings. From verse 14 on, it talks about the curses. And you say, if you don't do what I've told you to do, if you've not obeyed my commandments and listened to my words, then all of these curses will be upon you. And there he says that he will smite. I'm just putting that out for you to realize that there's issues that are very important. Now, let me, let me backtrack for a few moments because I want to go back to the sequence of cause and effect that we dealt with a, a, a while back. What does that mean? That means that between, between the original cause and the sickness, there could be a sequence of cause and effect in our own life. And let me give you a few examples of this. I can't get into vivid examples, but I'm just going to give you a list of examples for you to realize. The first one, for example, an ancestral sin can cause a curse. A curse can cause demonization. Demonization could cause sickness. Okay, so if that's the case, then I'm sick. It's not just needed, needed for me to cast out that demon in my life, but I need to go to the fact that there is a, an ancestral issue in my life. My, my ancestor sinned against the Lord. And some of us come from a line of ancestors that, that there is a clear example of what it is. For example, Caleb and I work in Latin America where idolatry is, is one of the most prevalent things that we have to deal with. Idolatry produces that sense of the parents upon the children. That produces, for example, idolatry. One of the results, main results of idolatry is poverty. And that's why we see when people come to Christ and they begin the process of freedom, one of the things that we clearly see is that the Lord brings prosperity. I could give you an example of that. For example, back in the 70s, uh, we, had a, we had planted a church in, a, in an Indian village. Um, and the whole town was completely submerged in witchcraft, submerged in idolatry. Our congregation was about... 30 people. And uh, uh, we went to a wedding. And after the wedding at that, in that church, uh, a group of people came up and explained who they were. They were basically a catechistic uh, a group of Catholics that got together to pray. 
And they told us, they said, uh, some really strange things are happening. And when we start our meetings and we pray, some really strange things happen. And uh, we just don't know what it is. We went to, to the Baptist preacher and basically he cursed us. We went to the Catholic priest and basically he kicked us out. We went to a Pentecostal preacher and he wanted to take us in. And we, we're just not satisfied with none of those answers. And so we, we told him, I said, we, we, we can come back in a couple weeks and we can go to one of your meetings. So a couple weeks later we came and we're one of those meetings and, and uh, we sat in the back and uh, basically we said, you know what, you do everything that you want to do and uh, uh, we, will, we will watch. And so they started all their rituals, and the people ended up as serpents underneath the chairs. It was chaotic, total chaos, demonic chaotic chaos. And so they, after they ended up their things, they asked us to go up, and we, our, our answer is, uh, God is here. But because God is here, it stirred up all the demons. God's manifesting himself here, but... The demons are also there. And so what we need to do is we need to pray that God will free you from all that. That There was about 45 people in the room. And uh, so a couple of weeks later, we, we took all of our Bible school for a whole weekend. And, and the 45 people got delivered. And um, uh, soon after that, they called us and said, what's the next step? Well, we said baptism is the next step. But baptism is an automatic resignation of Catholicism. And we told them, you need to stay where you're at for a while. But when you can't stay any longer, then you call us and we'll baptize you. Well, about a month later, they called and says, we can't put up with this anymore. We need baptism. And so we met them at the beach. About an hour. The, the, the village is about probably, I would say, about... 10,000 feet over sea level. And an hour south is the Pacific Ocean. So we met them at the, on the beach and baptized 120 of them. All at once. And what happened was, and this is the story, what happened is immediately a revival happened in that city. A city of about, I would say at that time, about seven, 8,000 people. And uh, a revival happened. And things just began happening like crazy. Today, this, this, this city came out in a transformations video. The first transformations video is called the city of Almolonga. The first transformations video. And today, let me put it this way. Today they have four crops a year. They plant four times and they have four crops a year. The city is prosperous. The Catholic Church closed its doors because they don't have anything more to do there. The whole city, about 80% of the, the city is born-again Christian now. Now, let me tell you what, how it started. It started with what? Breaking the bonds of iniquity. Breaking the bonds of idolatry. That produced it. In, 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 and by the way, I'm, I'm talking about the revival, but what it produced was... Prosperity. Because idolatry produces what? Poverty. And so we need to realize that there is a cause and effect. There's a sequence of cause and effect that could lead to even sickness. Let's look at another one. For example, personal sin. 
could produce the open doors for demonization. They could produce sickness. Personal sin could produce uncontrollable feelings. They could produce sickness. Personal sin could produce poverty. They could produce sickness. I'm just giving you the sequence. Sin could open doors to witchcraft. They could produce poverty. Could produce sickness in our lives. Are you getting what I'm, what I'm saying? All of these things are intertwined. And what for us to be able to come into full freedom in our lives, we need to realize I'm an onion. And I have to what? Peel the layers to get to the root problem in my life. And once I deal with the root problem, all the effects will be what? Dealt with. Amen? Now let's go, let's go back to, to the last portion of, of the teaching for a few moments in the time that we have. Like Pastor told me, uh, I can preach as long as I want. You guys are leaving at 9 o'clock. So. <laughs> what are the ways that God heals us? What are the ways that God heals us? First, first, we need to realize that God heals us through obedience. Naaman's case. Second, God heals us through repentance. Miriam's case. God heals us through believing. We got the centurion's case, isn't it? We saw that God healed through Peter's shadow. We saw that God healed through Paul's, Jesus' clothes, excuse me. If I could only touch the border of his cloth, of his clothes, I, I will be healed. Or through Paul's handkerchiefs. What I'm trying to show you is God is an unconventional God. And God can heal you whatever way he wants to heal you. I have seen cases and I have seen them vividly where a sick, sick father was prayed by a two-year-old child. His child comes up and lays hands on the dad and he gets healed. Because, listen, God uses the weak, the fools, the ones that don't know anything, but only have faith, to do what He wants to do. He heals through those things. The second thing, He heals them through His Word. The Bible says He sent His Word and what? Healed them of their diseases. Third, through the prayer of the elders. The word elder. It's not, I believe that the word elder is not a positional place in the body. Because there's elders in the body where we where recognize people that are, that have influenced people that, that, that have a position of leadership. We call them elders. But the biblical elder for me is somebody that is mature in the Lord. That is a spiritual father, a spiritual mother. And it says, if there's any sick among you, let him call who? The elders. That they will put their hands on them. And they shall be what? Healed. God heals those through those, those ways. The Bible talks in James chapter 5 verse 14. Through the anointing that comes through an oil. The oil. The anointing that represents the Holy Spirit. Through the laying on of hands. 
Jesus laid his hands on a lot of them and healed them through that. Through the prayer of fasting. Through prayer and fasting. We talked about that yesterday. And through deliverance. Those are the ways that God healed. And we, we need to realize that there is a process in our lives. Now let me, let me concentrate on the few minutes that are left. Things that produce health in us. I cannot give you the whole teaching if I don't finish up with this point. Because I would leave it inconclusive. Because I would leave it in a negative tone. What, do, what things produce healing in, or health in us? The first is the process of healing. And the process of healing that I find in my, it, it, very practical in my life is not just the, what we just saw in a few minutes past right now. How Jesus healed, how the disciples healed, how the Bible shows us healing. But I, I believe that we are healed when there's forgiveness in our hearts. Or through deliverance. Second, very important, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is, is a, um, it's a very interesting point. Because uh, it's one of the most vast themes in the Bible. We will find the word fear of the Lord or that, this theme all the way from Genesis to Revelations. It is one of the most vast themes but least taught in most churches. And let me explain what the fear of the Lord is in, 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 in a nutshell. The fear of the Lord is when, where I basically mold my values to God's values. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is to abhor evil and to love good. I will abhor what God hates and I will love what God loves. Second, the fear of the Lord is the desire within my heart to please Him in my ways, in my lifestyle. There is no other way of direction in my life than this. You know, we could create in a very legalistic way a list of, of a thousand things that you and I need to do. But it does not compare to anything with the fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is what guides me. It's basically my, my compass in life. Because it needs to be God. God needs to be my, my north. God needs to be my direction. And when I, there's a desire within me in, in, in wanting to be like Him and to wanting to please Him. That makes me shun evil. Shun sin in my life. And if you look at those scriptures that I'm leaving you with, you will realize that the fear of the Lord produces health in us. Produces health. Because what am I doing? I'm shunning evil. I'm walking in righteousness. If, 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 if I could just drill a little bit of, of this into your, into your hearts, for example... The wise Solomon starts and finishes with this theme. He starts in, in Proverbs 1, 7 and says, The beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. He finishes Ecclesiastes. The last few verses says, I'm trying to transliterate from, from Spanish. He says, And 
the, the sum of all that I've said is this. Fear the Lord. Well, I mean, there was no one else in the whole history besides Jesus that spoke more than Solomon. And he says, the sum of everything that I've said is this. Fear the Lord. You want to be wise? Learn fear of the Lord. And it's not fear of trembling, of phobia. It is a health, healthy reverence, respect, honor in your life. The third thing, keep His commandments. If you keep His commandments, you shall walk in health. It produces health. Fourth, righteousness. Proverbs 10, 2, 11, 4, 10, 16 tells us that righteousness flees, frees us from death. Fifth, speaking righteously is a fountain of life. Speaking righteously is a fountain of life. Seventh, listening to the wise words in counsel leads us to health. You know why? Because that's a preventive, not a corrective measure. Listening to wise words of counsel is a good way to prevent our problems instead of having to correct them. Let's listen to wise counsel before we take major decisions in our life. It will really help us not have to correct a lot of stuff that we're having to correct all the time. Let's look at the next one. Faithful messengers. I, I can't tell you how this works, but it has to do with more of the faithfulness side of the message than the message. When you're faithfully doing everything that God has, encounter, or has, has given you to do, that brings health into your own life. Amen? Amen. Happiness. Uh, I, I laugh at this one because, uh, why, why don't we look at it? Because I think this is really funny. Proverbs 17, 22. Proverbs 17, 22, it says, A cheerful heart is a good medicine. Ecclesiastes 3, 12. 3, 12. Let me find it. It says, I know that there is nothing better for life than to be happy and to do good in our life. Now, let me tell you what Proverbs 13, 13 and 13, 9 says. Is. It says that it makes you beautiful. Happiness makes you beautiful. It is the best plastic surgery that you would have. Amen. That's what it says in Proverbs 13, 13 and 19. You don't have to go to the doctor for plastic surgery or to, for Botox. Just be happy. Yeah. It will keep you youthful. It will keep you beautiful. That's what the Bible says. The next one is peaceful heart. Can you imagine what would peaceful heart do to our heart, our mental, our nervous system, our digestive system? Can you believe that? It would keep us healthy. I've, I've, I've realized many of our, and, and this, is, this is just a comment, many of our health problems have to do with our digestive system. Because we're not eating healthy, we're not digesting healthy, and so our body is not healthy. But what, what, does, what does peaceful heart do? It really gives us a whole process. 
of health in our lives. The next one, when we accept and receive correction correctly. It brings health into our body. And then, when we really grab a hold of the cross of Calvary, it will free us from sin and will free us from death. Because it is the working of the cross that brings health into our lives. My brethren, God wants to really lead us into health. But we need to realize that we are really difficult. And I know that, that many of us are difficult just in who we are. But the complexity of our life, the complexity of our actions, of our decisions, the complexity of our lifestyle, and even the complexity of who we are in the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual does make health a difficult challenge. But I want you to realize God has given us every tool for us to walk in health. John said it in 3 John 2, isn't it? I, my brother and I desire that you will be in what? In health. He desires that we will walk in health. And he's given us the tools. The problem is, it's easier to walk in a disorderly way. Because many of us, for example, if we, what we eat, we eat what we like, not what we should. We do what we like, not what we should. And to be able, as we talked about it, we need to walk in discipline. We need to walk in order. We need to submit our wills to God. We need to let God really bring us into that place. <coughs> First in spiritual health. And then he will little by little bring us into emotional, mental, and physical health. But if we're facing a situation that we're, we're dealing with, and I'm, I'm giving you this as an illustration, if we're right now sick, we need to also ask the Lord for wisdom and guidance and discernment. And say, Lord, what is the cause? And especially, what is the root cause? What is the root cause? The problem is that maybe the root cause is 40 years old. The root cause could be 30 years old. Now to deal with it, it's going to be a challenge. But God has given us the power, the wisdom, the spirit. He's given us a body, a corporate body, for us to walk and be able to come into that place where we can find freedom in Him. Amen. Why don't we bow our heads? I would like to pray and ask the Lord to really give us this, this word and, and really root it into our hearts and minds and into our souls that we will be able to apply it daily into our daily walk. Amen. Father, today we come boldly into your throne. And Lord, as we uh, are closing up today, this period of, of, of studying your word, I ask you that, Lord, you will illuminate our lives. Reveal, speak to our hearts. Give us the understanding and the wisdom to be able to
really ask ourselves, what is it that you want in our lives, Lord? What is your will? What is your desire? What is your commandment to our lives? Lord, we want to walk in your ways. Lord, let us put order in our, our thought life, our emotional life, our, 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 our speaking and our walking. And Lord, we will be able to begin a, a process of maturity and a process of health in you. And as Lord, we are here, there might be some that are sick. Lord, I ask you that you will help us begin, Lord, walking in your will. Lord, that we will discern what is the root cause? What is the root problem? What is the root issue in our lives? And Lord, let us begin tackling, begin dealing with different areas of our lives. That, Lord, we will be able to come to that place of freedom and liberty and health that you've promised to cross, Lord. Because we have been at the cross giving us the power to walk in freedom. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. As I spoke to Pastor Mark, uh, if there's anybody that would like some prayer, especially in the area of health, uh, we're here. We're going to be here to pray with you and to begin this journey. Because it's going to be a journey in your life where you're able to begin discerning what is that the Lord is asking for you to be, to do. There's a, a lot of, uh, wow, a lot of meat right there. I, I do want to take just a few moments, though, because I, I do know that, that there are those that are struggling and those who have things that are going on and, and struggling in those places of, of need for healing. And to take the opportunity to, uh, again, pray one for another as the Word of God calls us to. Let me just ask you right now. We're not, we don't, we're not going to do this in a, you know, in a secret closet kind of thing, but how, how many of you would say, you know what, Pastor, will you pray for me? I need some healing. I got some stuff going on. Wow. Wow. The need is great. The need is very great. I mean, I'm overwhelmed by the need. Let me ask you to do this. The Bible talks about the gifts that he has distributed amongst the people, and, and God has a healing gift. And I, I really do believe that the, that the chairs are filled with those who operate and walk in some of those gifts that just haven't begun to step out in them. Let me just ask you, if you would, just do me, do me this, if you would. Let me ask everybody just to stand up. And I want you to join hands. Just join hands across the rows. Dario, would you please come on up here? And uh, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to do this for a moment. I know that this is uncomfortable for some of you. I'm going to ask you right now, if you would, and again, honestly, 90% of the hands went up in a need for healing. And I'm going to ask you right now, and I'm going to give you just a, just a little bit just to pray God's healing virtue. God, use me. Let the gifts of your healing virtue flow through me. God, bring healing to this person on the right. And then I'm going to ask you to pray for the person that's on the left. And then I'm going to ask Dario if he'll close this by, uh, by praying a prayer of, of healing. And we could begin to receive all of the blessings that God has provided. So just take a moment. You don't have to, again, you don't, you don't have to pray out loud. If you are willing to, just pray and ask God's healing virtue for that person on the right right now. Just pray for them. Pray one for another. We have to do this, church. ask you to pray for the person on your left right now. Just begin to thank God for them. Just begin to ask God's healing virtue to flow. Ask God's ministry to begin to be poured out through you. to pray a blessing over this body and over the individuals that make up this body. If you permit me for just a second, I'm going to preach, pray in, uh, in Spanish and let, let that flow within your life. Padre, en el nombre de Jesús en este momento, Señor. Yo vengo a tu presencia para poder solicitarte, pedirte Señor de que tú hagas la obra sobrenatural en la vida de tu pueblo. Sabemos Señor de que hay cosas, que hay problemas, que hay afán, que hay enfermedad. Pero oh Padre en este nombre que es sobre todo nombre Señor hoy invocamos tu presencia sobre la vida de tu pueblo. Y declaro de que tú haces una obra sobrenatural, quebrantamos el yugo, quebrantamos Señor toda Toda pesadez quebrantamos toda enfermedad y declaramos Señor de que tú haces una obra que sobre toda obra Señor la obra que está en la cruz del Calvario y declaramos Señor de que tú haces Señor traes salud, bienestar, libertad quiebras el yugo en la vida de cada persona en este lugar Señor y hoy Padre Señor nos aferramos y nos agarramos a ti Señor porque sabemos de que ese nombre que sobre todo nombre al nombre de Jesucristo Señor se dobla toda rodilla y toda boca confiesa que tú eres Señor y declaramos Señor el, la, la, el señorío, la soberanía, la gloria de Dios sobre la vida de cada uno de tus hijos 
Y Padre ahora sopla salud Padre Father in this moment Lord we ask you that you will Breathe healing in our lives That your Holy Spirit will fall upon us In this very moment And that Lord your health and healing Will be upon us Lord That your spirit will break every yoke That your spirit will break every bond Yes Lord That none of those sicknesses None of those infirmities will be upon us, Lord. Lord, we ask you that you will give us rest, trust, faith in you. That, Lord, we will lay at your hands, at your feet, believing that you are all that you've said you are. That you are Jehovah, our Rapha, our healer. That you, Lord, on the cross, you bore our disease, diseases, that you carried our sorrows by your stripes. We are healed in the name of Jesus, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. Amen. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. I know that that's... Uh, out of our comfort zone at times, but it shouldn't be. Amen? It shouldn't be. God bless you all. Have a great day. Listen, as I tell you every week, church is not over. Church is about to begin, so go out there and be the church. Come on back tonight at 6.30. We have another amazing teaching that we are going to prepare our hearts for, so I will see you at 6.30. Make sure you invite somebody to lunch. Go have lunch with somebody and enjoy the afternoon. We'll see you tonight. God bless you.